0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Very early on when I was at Trinity Church in Buffalo, New York as an acolyte, I was always fascinated when we came to the Sunday where they would say in prayer, Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, that boy, when I opened up the lessons to look at this, and I'm going, oh, I love that colic, that's going to be great. Then I looked at the lessons behind the collect. Uh, They're not easy to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. As a matter of fact, some people have had some serious problems with some of these passages. Me being one. (laughs) But I found it interesting as I read the passages over and over again, trying to glean something where I could pull out, something meaningful for myself, let alone share with you. It was difficult because I kept struggling with the words. Then I suddenly realized it wasn't the words, it was the feeling sometimes that they were conveying to me. And it was difficult because the last Sunday of Pentecost should be one of those Sundays where, in fact, we're teaching and learning the joy of God's love and so forth. And here I am with lessons that in the gospel, Jesus is reminding everyone everything's going to be destroyed. Forget about the temple. It looks beautiful. Isn't it nice? But it's going away. And there's a lot of people in the Pentecostal faith that believe very strongly in this destruction of all things and that only the pure of heart will be saved. It's interesting to me that they missed the last line, which Chuck pointed out very clearly, that by your endurance, you will gain your souls. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Then I looked back at the passage and I thought, you know, isn't this interesting? This is sort of a description of what happens, that life has some horrible, horrible circumstances. Look, politically, throughout the world, and how people are mistreated, and how they're abused, and how corruption and greed overwhelm so much of our world. And I... Found myself when I started thinking about this, saying how overwhelmed I am. You know, what can I do? What can what could possibly happen? Then when the Philippines was struck by the <clears throat> typhoon, saying, even the natural disasters, what do you do? What do you say? How do you respond to that? And it was Jesus pointing out to them that it's endurance to be affected, and enduring in your faith that somehow will give you the right to stand even though you may be persecuted, even though you may be assaulted for believing in Jesus Christ. Fortunately, we're in a culture currently that they just don't care if you believe in Jesus Christ. We're not going to get killed because we're claiming to be Christians, where people at other times knew that if they profess their faith, that in fact they could stand to be killed. And in many ways, people talk about Luke as having written this gospel from the context of much later. That this whole passage refers to things that had happened and he knew about them and referred to them in Jesus' statement about enduring faith. Then I went back and it was interesting because the letter to Thessalonica was very intriguing to me because I'd heard the word early on as a child, busybodies, and I always thought it was sort of a positive term. You know, look at these people, they're working, they're doing things, they're busybodies. And then my mother pointed out to me, no, it's not a good term, because busybodies are about everybody else's busy, and they try to make sure that they look good while they're not doing a thing. My mother had a a way of looking at things from a very direct angle. And the more I observed, and then my father once said to me, you know, he says, when you look around and you see a lot of roaring, you're not going to see much activity. Because they like to talk, but they don't like to follow through. And Paul's speaking to this whole idea of idleness, that you know, we came and worked with you and taught you the faith, and we showed you by our own work ethic how to live. And now I'm hearing that a bunch of people are idle and they're busybodies. They're causing trouble. Where in fact, it wasn't about trouble, it was about serving Jesus Christ and living in a faith community that reflected the ability to get service done. Now the busybodies are creating a stir. And I find it interesting because Paul, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, here's, here's the gospel. Doom and gloom, but endurance and faith. And here's this thing about idleness and busybody and doing the work of the Lord. And trying to put those together so that I might help you a little bit to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these passages. And the only thing I can say is that both of them are challenges to our faith and understanding of Jesus Christ. A lot of us in this church do a lot to serve in the way that are imitations of Christ. We do a lot of outreach and a lot of work to put together a fundraiser for outreach. And we serve the shelter meals. And we do a number of other things that affect our community over and over again. And those are the ways you, in fact, imitate Christ and imitate what Paul contends is the Christian path. And there are the distractors that come up, the people that will talk a great talk, but necessarily do something with their commitment to Christ. They would rather be idle and spread idle gossip or idle rumors. And that's a reality. Just as though our world is a reality filled with political strife and corruption and natural disasters that just actually numb us from the intensity This is our world. These are the worlds we live in. But we are called to be workers for Christ. To live the faith that we're called to be. And to not do it in a way that everyone observes it. And I find it interesting because I know a lot of people here who would not like to be called forward and thanked for the work they do because it's just what they do. It's part of who they are, it's part of living out their faith. They cannot be the busybody because it's contrary to their core of how they serve. The endurance part to me is the critical piece that puts all of it in context. Because if we're facing the world and we can endure and believe that Jesus will guide us in a way that will give us the words and how to respond, the ideas and thoughts of how to live out a faith that might in fact threaten our own lives. We have a witness in endurance Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in jail, committed to the same belief, then was freed out of his endurance to that principle to effect a change in a country of South Africa. All of us need to understand that it takes that kind of endurance sometimes for us to be persistent enough in our faith, change things and make the world a better place to live in for all people. Now comes the hard part. More than read Mark, learn, and inwardly digest the lessons, they've asked me to address stewardship, too. <laughs> and how can we endure stewardship? Stewardship. But we can endure stewardship because it's in our endurance and our working together by sharing and imitating Christ that we, in fact, become legitimate stewards of God. Sheila and I have faced an interesting situation in our lives. We suddenly dawned on us that we are on a fixed income, it was a shock. For three years, I've been deluded that somehow our income is changing. According to our taxes, it hasn't changed all that much at all. So, we decided to still extend our commitment because we believe in you, the congregation of St. John's. And we stretched to another level, even though our income is remaining the same. And it means that we have to make some adjustments And we have to do things that are important. But to me, it's enduring that faith commitment and giving us the opportunity to better serve one another is the critical piece in stewardship here at St. John's. It's being able to look at our resources in a way that provide the ministry that we, in fact, do. That we have the resources also to be directed in other ministries so that we can change and, and apply ourselves as needs rise. Being a steward to me of the church is really critical. And I'm really surprised when I sit down and look at the numbers how much we have, in fact, extended our belief in our commitment to St. John's. And we also, too, I mean, is one that when something like the Philippines happened, Episcopal Relief Fund automatically gets a check and I get this email thanking us and I'm going, oh, we helped somebody else out, too. <laughs> but it's all part of how we, in fact, live out that faith. And I'm not saying this to impress anyone because all of you, in many ways, give more, perhaps, than we could ever even consider. But it is our ability to give it is our ability to imitate Christ that allows us to endure even the worst of things in our lives. Amen. Amen.